Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Too Tall Unstuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? That's right. I'm glad you got it right for the first time. I think that was pretty good. As you mentioned, this is Good Morning Liberty, a place where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, and we complain about the daily news every single day of the week (laughs) when we want to. You know, I had an interview lined up yesterday with someone who was going to talk about some solutions to some of the problems. Is this a new segment called Confessions? Yeah, is this I confession guess tapes? this is more complaining right now, actually. Oh, oh, okay. Because uh, I had a, an episode lined up yesterday with an interview all talking about all these problems in Congress and, and his organization's actually putting bills through Congress and has a, a lot of sponsors and everything. And we were going to talk about some of the solutions. And then there was someone beating on our floor with a hammer yesterday and we couldn't do an episode. I had oh, to cancel. This is the this is the excuses segment. Excuses, excuses yes. is what this segment mm-hmm. is called. But anyway, <laughs> we are interested in solutions. And if you guys have any, let us know. <laughs> Cuz all I see is the ship going down right now. That's all I can see. This, do we need to rate this explicit now? Uh sure. Ship? Sure. You said ship. I said ship. 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 It's is going down. It's going down. But you know what? While you're on a ship that's going down, you might as well talk with your friends about why. <laughs> That's so maybe when you're on the next ship, mm-hmm. it can stay afloat a little bit longer. Exactly. Let's talk about how to build a better ship, and that is the best thing that we could do. Or we but can you work know, on as pl- plugging holes in the ship. Like, say the ship has a leak and it's going down, and everyone around you is just chopping holes in the bottom of the boat. It's a wooden boat. They're chopping holes in the bottom of it, and all all you can do is maybe. Try and try and stop that. Try and slow it down. Just try and talk them out of doing that. I mean, according to the old ancient uh, Antarctica proverb, uh, <laughs> when I was studied down there, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they say all ships end up at the bottom of the ocean. I uh, uh, I heard the same one. Actually, same. It's a polar thing because I heard the same thing when I was up in Greenland, in Greenland too. Yeah, they say the same thing, but mm-hmm. they say it in a little bit different accent. But anyway, if you're still here, great job. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We talk about stuff that's not ships going down and and uh, problems with people beating on your floor with a hammer. But like, I'll be honest with you, we talk about whatever we want. Yeah, actually, that's what we do. We do just kind of do whatever we want. Exactly. We? So hit that subscribe button or touch it if you want to whatever you feel like doing press press it yeah we uh we're mostly libertarian i don't i'm so libertarian i don't like to box myself into libertarianism Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we believe in liberty so you're free to do whatever you want but we appreciate it if you were to Touch your subscribe button. <laughs> Charlie, tell us, since we spent, we spent about 20 minutes just talking to people in the live group before the episode, and so we do have a hard stop today, but did you see the, did you see the Joe Rogan video going around? The, it was clips of, I have not. of him talking, and someone put a lot of emotional clips behind it, basically, that, that made it a really good video, actually. Since I was very excited about Since your Australian it. video, I've seen a lot more Australian 
uh, protest videos. Yeah. So good for them. There's a lot of that going on. I'm, I'm glad I could inspire, inspire people to, to protest in places other than the U.S., I guess. Mm. But um, anyway, tell, tell everyone about the video that you haven't seen, and then okay. we're going to watch it really quick, too. Okay. So this is uh, this little excerpt here is, is from the Daily Mail. Actually, I'm sorry. You know what we should do? We should watch it first and then talk about what the issue is. With no, the video. no, no. We got to pass it first, and then that way we know <laughs> we'll what's in see it. Yeah. what's in the video. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good idea. All right, I'm going to put this on the screen for everyone to see, and then we'll uh, we'll see what the volume's coming in. Maybe you guys saw this, maybe you didn't, but it was a really good mashup of stuff. As soon as you give politicians power, any kind of power that didn't exist previously, if they can figure out a way to force you into carrying something that lets you enter businesses or lets you do this or lets businesses open, historically, they are not going to give that power up. They find new reasons to use. I'll do that. We have to protect those freedoms at all costs, whether you agree with people's choices or not, because it is the foundation that this country was founded on. Freedom. This idea of freedom, there's so many people that think it's frivolous, it's not important, it's not the main thing that we should be focused on, but it is the literal structure that allows this country to be so fucking amazing. Every single country that's ever existed other than the United States, up until 1776, every fucking country that has ever existed was run by dictators, all of them. This is the first experiment in self-government that actually worked, and it created the greatest superpower the world's ever known. It created the greatest cultural machine, the greatest machine of art and creativity and innovation right fucking here. And how did it do that? It did it through freedom. And as soon as you see something, anything that comes along and inhibits your freedom, you should be very cautious of that. You should be very suspicious. Because anything that comes along that can inhibit your freedom is, by definition, anti-American. Okay, I mean, I oh, thought that was a pretty good video, isn't it? I want it? to see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's a great trailer. That's like wow. A, you watch the you watch the trailer for it, and then you go listen to a Rogan episode, and it's like three hours long. And you're like, oh my god, when is this conversation going to end? It I don't feel on, that way. It depends on who he's talking yeah, to. Sometimes true. I'm like, oh, geez, come on. Okay, so there's one thing in there. We I I wanted to check with you on. He did say that the U.S. was the first. Uh, country that wasn't ran by a dictator it was the first experiment in self-government. I actually don't. Is that true? Is that the very first time that people voted for who their leader was? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't looked, know if that's uh, true. I thought that that it sounded like that's not the case. Okay, Amanda says fact check false. I thought I thought the same thing. I, I did not think that was the case, but it's almost the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I think it it was the first time in history that all the ideas um, uh, were put together. So, what what the founders did was they expanded upon English common law. You know, back before the Magna Carta, really. I mean, it was the I think the thirteen hundreds, fourteen hundreds, when liberty was kind of first introduced. But but England still had a king, right? They, they still had that. They they also, but they also had a. A parliament eventually they had people that they could vote for democratically so to speak and there was the magna carta before that there was something else and anyway it was a list of rights that the people had and what the founders did was they expanded 
upon that through other philosophers ideas about just the idea that your that your rights came from the your creator whatever you believe that was and that they weren't given to you by a government exactly I, I think that was a pretty it, novel idea well and remember when the pilgrims first came to america they were communists yeah okay and they realized very quickly that that wasn't going to work and so they established for the first time really private property rights mm -hmm. now i think people did have property before but not to what america established they had it more like we have it right now <laughs> the yeah previous, yeah exactly previous people did where you're taxed on it <laughs> <laughs> and they can you're, just take it away from you if they want to exactly yeah. you're renting yeah. from the government so so that's really what revolutionized in my opinion this this whole thing of freedom uh, where people were for the first time actually free for the most part uh, to do all the things that he talked about, right? Which was innovate and be creative and, and lead the world in, in arts. And, and then everyone wanted to model what America was doing, right? Yeah. You had even England model, model what America was doing because then they had, you had the industrial revolution. You had all of this innovation. I mean, in the last 200 years, there's been more innovation created than all of human history combined. Yeah, and really, I think that's just because I think people, human beings have always been this way. But when you have a really restrictive society that doesn't allow that to happen, then you get some innovations over time. But you because people who create things, they're they're statistical outliers. And so when you clamp down on that, you end up with less of those outliers. And when we were when we were allowed to create things and invent things and own things, which is a nice incentive to, to create things, of course, uh, then that that led to a really, really big technological revolution. And, and obviously you can say like once the industrial revolution, once uh, once we got the Internet. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of government you have. You're going to get all those things after someone invents something. But it, it happens to be the case that uh, most of the major inventions did come from from the u.s i mean you're welcome for airplanes i hate those things man <laughs> i can't stand them but hey that that is a pretty good deal but I love them. charlie tell everyone what the actual problem was with hey, the I video was, i was pretty close by the way um amanda in our live group is probably one of the smartest people we know um she says liberty as as in republican liberty which uh we live in a republic by the way it's a re republican democracy um, would have been inherited through the 14th plus century tradition, uh, rifling off medieval scholars. Of course, there's a lot of revising Roman institutions that went into it as well. Um, and so I was right. I said the 13, 1400s. So somewhere around that era, um, there were a lot of was uh, there was a lot of movement towards that. And honestly, you could take that even deeper something I actually got from Jordan Peterson when he was doing his biblical series that the first time ever in recorded history that men were seen as equal to God, but because before that your leader, you can look at Mayan culture or the Inca culture or cultures around the world, your King or queen was seen as a God, right? Um, and, and it wasn't until uh, the, the Christian story, let's say whether or not you believe in God, let's say the, the Christian story where men and women were created in the image and the likeness of God, meaning that that was for the first time, at least on paper, that we were all seen as equals, which laid the theological foundation for the philosophical foundation, which led to 
the actual implementation of what we see now. See, change. Hold on, I'm just writing all this down. Change takes a long time to implement. I was. Have you seen this? Is this is way off topic, but I'm reminded of this because has anybody seen the LuLaRoe documentary or know what LuLaRoe is? No, I didn't before my wife told me about it. Okay, LuLaRoe is, was basically a pyramid scheme company that was founded in 2000. 14 and then within two years they were a multi-billion dollar corporation um and what in one of the interviews the lady was talking about how things were changing in the 70s especially for women and she was like i can't really pinpoint what it was but you know in the 1970s like a bunch of things just started changing and women were out doing their own thing or whatever and i was like i know the birth control for the, in the 60s, for the first time ever, women could control their reproductive system through the, re, the, through the birth control pill. And it was 99.9% effective, still is to this day. Oh, okay? that means you shouldn't have sex because there's right. a 0.1% exactly. chance that exactly. you get pregnant. But we're still, <laughs> the culture lags behind the technology and, and, and the foundation. Things take a very, very long time to change because they're like, well, why aren't why do we have these gender roles or whatever and it's like well for the most part for a long time women stayed home to take care of the children because they couldn't really control whether they had children or not unless they decided not to have sex right now you're free to follow your inhibitions i thought you were gonna say something else and not and not um have sex and of course there is an element of patriarchal tyranny i will give that some credence there are men out there who are want to be controlling of women so to speak that is one element to it but that's not that doesn't paint the whole picture okay there are evil terrible men who want to rule through power okay that's true but it doesn't paint the entire picture what i'm getting at here is that change takes a long time and so the foundation as early as uh we have found uh the scriptures i think is three thousand uh, so years ago, um, where the, where Genesis laid out, um, it may have even been longer than that, 10,000 years ago or whatever. I don't remember the exact time, um, at least 3000 years ago where it was laid out that human beings were as equal uh, as God. And so that's where ultimately the declaration of independence comes from. Now, of course, a lot of you people are going to be like, Oh, you're just a Bible thumper, you know, thumping Christianity onto all of America. And I'm not, I'm not doing that. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you, you have to go back through history and derive what the founders were meaning when they said all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Well, they were getting that from the philosophical and the theological foundation that was laid down hundreds of years, thousands of years prior to them instituting what they instituted. And so that's where we came up with the system, the greatest system known to man so far, uh, where people are free because controlling them doesn't work. Yeah, it took- We've tried to control them for a long time. It doesn't work. Okay, tell them what was wrong with the Joe Rogan video. I wanted to have this, uh, this conversation about whether or not this is a thing to do because people found something they were upset about. So from the Daily Mail, Joe, Rogan's, uh, Joe Rogan likens anti-American COVID vaccine mandates to Nazi concentration camps in scathing video. There were Nazi concentration camps in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Joe Rogan has likened vaccine mandates to the horrors of Nazi Germany 
A video from Samuel uh, Riviera Films was shared by Rogan on Instagram on Monday. The one minute, 45 second clip combined audio of Rogan with a host of other images, many inviting a comparison to Nazi Germany. Part of the video includes a map of Nazi Germany and images of Adolf Hitler. Soldiers were seen marching with people being loaded onto a train and overheard images of Majdanek concentration camp in occupied Poland appeared. Amanda, help me out with that pronunciation. I think that was pretty good, actually. Majdanek? I'm... I haven't brushed up on my German in a while. I could have said it better so, myself. That's probably Polish. I don't know. In another section, Rogan talks about anything that comes along that can inhibit your freedom overlaid with images of someone wearing a Star of David armband. So because he drew, or because the the video artist drew a comparison to Joe Rogan's words. Rogan did send it out to all of his followers. And he, he did so, share it. Yeah. But because he drew that comparison of when we deviate from freedom... And we move towards tyranny. Here's some of the things that can happen. Well, then the whole thing's over. It was just crazy. I mean, you're, and I, I, you have to differentiate. People have to be able to do this between saying that what we're going through right now is like Nazi Germany and saying that some of the things that we're doing lead to really bad things happening. And here are bad things that happened in the past. And we don't want to go to that. And there are things that you would have to go towards in different steps to lead to that happening. And maybe mandating that someone is vaccinated or checking their vaccine passport before they go in somewhere. Uh, maybe you can consider that one of them. Now, it's not as if the left would have said that our president was literally Hitler for like four years. I mean, that that um that comparison's never really been made before. I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't want to do that. But it is pretty common for people to say that stuff is Hitler, and that's when you lose the argument. So I guess Joe Rogan lost the argument because he used uh, Hitler was used in the video. So he already lost the whole argument. It could have been anybody. It could have been yeah. Lenin, Mao, yeah. Stalin, yeah. Castro, Maduro. You, you, yeah, you could have. Yeah, you could have done Maduro. So you could have taken images from Australia if you wanted to. I don't know who their people are, what their people's names are, but you could have used images of them. the The point is. That as you give away your liberties, if you keep going down that road, eventually you can get to a really bad thing. And here's a video clip of something really bad that happened when people's freedoms and liberties were taken away. So I think there's a difference between saying this is what leads to these bad things. Like we'll say this is what leads to what happened in communist Russia or China. Now, if only Joe, and I think Joe's a really smart guy. If only he could connect the dots. I know. He'd be a libertarian. He's so close. He's so close. He's he, so close all the time. And I really enjoy his conversations. But if only he could connect the dots to see that the policies and the things that Bernie Sanders wants to implement is something that leads down this same road that he's so against, then he would be a libertarian. Well, and he for just, sure. He just talked to last week or whenever I did a video talking about his conversation on universal basic income. And he was just saying when he had Amanda Knox on his podcast, he was just saying, uh, about, talking about how we had to have maybe a $20 minimum wage and we needed the universal basic income and stuff like that. And it's just like, Joe, what size government, how much power do you think it'll have to have to be able to do those things? Mm. And then it leads to all, you can't just pick one thing and say, well, vaccine passports. That's going to lead us 
to Nazi Germany or, or that's going to lead us well, to Stalin. But also uh, to defend him a little bit, I think sometimes things have to affect people personally mm-hmm. before. So like to him raising the $20 minimum or raising the minimum wage to $20, he's like, well, that sounds great. It's not going to affect him personally. The dude's making bajillions. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, whatever. I don't care. I hide all my money anyway. I've got the best lawyers and accountants and raise the income tax. But I don't he care. He is a business owner though. And he did just move from California to Texas and is going to be saving a ton of money on his, on his taxes by switching to Texas. And, <laughs> and so you probably know, he, 15% or more. Yeah, he, That's true. <laughs> that's true. And so he does understand a little bit of that stuff, but yeah, that part gets frustrating with him, but we just have to, but we, maybe something like the, the vaccine passport, he was able to draw that connection. And I think, because we have to remember, right? We did a whole speech on this that people are we're emotional beings, okay? And honestly, like ninety percent of what you do, you have no control over, okay? The feelings and thoughts you have, you have the only control you actually have is what you're going to do about it, like Your actual the act- actions, that you the, take. the actions that you're going to take, right? So when Joe has these feelings, um, he hasn't connected the dots, but something like a vaccine passport, especially since he does comedy and is touring around and these places are requiring vaccines is actually impacting him. He's like, okay, I can draw that connection. I can, I can emotionally draw that bridge. And so we have to remember when we're messaging that we have to emotionally draw that bridge, just like that film did, by the way, that stirred up some emotions in mm-hmm. me. I wanted to see the movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to the movie. I, it, it made me feel so good that I was like, I want to see this play out right yeah it, it reminded me somebody mentioned in here of braveheart it was very braveheartish how moving that movie is because it connects the dots i wanted to go watch several mel gibson movies after watching mm. that trailer right there yeah for sure okay well let's go on to the next Any thing. of the ocean series the basic uh the basic thing right there that i just wanted to say was there's a difference in saying i mean literally the left for the last four years they've been saying that trump's literally hitler like this, we have concentration. I forgot camps about that. At the border. I mean, <laughs> that people have actually been saying that, and there is a difference in saying this is this is a concentration camp. This is just like what happened in Nazi Germany. Trump is literally Hitler, and saying if we keep giving up our liberties, we're going to lead to some really bad things. And then you're able where to it leads in the past, and then you're able to dismiss that for the Hitler comparison. Yeah, even though they just did a whole four years of Hitler comparison, well, because they're right. Exactly. And, and and everyone else is wrong. Of oh, I didn't even catch that at first. Okay. This happened yesterday. I wanted to speak about it just briefly here, a little bit of economics from the, the blaze. Jen Saki was up there talking about how it is unfair and absurd for businesses to raise prices if the Biden administration raises corporate taxes. So after they raise the corporate taxes, it's it is unfair and, and absurd to think the corporations would have to raise their prices after that. Very unfair and absurd to we think just, that. Hey, we feel that that's yeah. unfair and absurd that companies would raise their prices to make up for the tax gains. Feelings. And the American people won't stand for that. It's as if taxes aren't an expense yeah. that businesses pay. Like it's an expense, like everything else. I don't know if this is in here, but they're for sure raising taxes on everyone because I did see that they're... Um, I saw somebody at least point out that in this bill, they are wanting to add an eight cents per mile fee mm. uh, when you drive. Yeah. By the way. Okay. 
So that's that's and they're also doing a lot more uh, sin taxes. I heard the uh, which the means t- taxes on cigarettes and e-cigarettes <clears throat> going to be going up a lot, which is going to disproportionately affect people who smoke and whoever usually that is. Poor people, usually poor people, probably yeah. to do that. Um, so the Blaze talked about this, but uh, talked about the, for. Well, several- I just I just want to give an example. So I think I think on average people drive about twenty five thousand miles per year. I think that's the average. That's a lot. Um, that's like what I did. I think that's the average. When I was driving for Uber. Let's say okay, you drive twenty five thousand miles per year. That's two thousand dollars yeah. at eight cents a mile, just about. Yeah. I think it's closer to 10 or 15, but that's still, it's still a lot extra. I mean, I easily, I easily put 15,000 miles on my truck this year and I don't drive very many places. Yeah. I've had my car for three years now or whenever it was, something like three years and it's got 85,000 miles on it and it had no miles on it when I got it. So I put quite a few mm. miles on that thing pretty quickly, but I don't drive the, uh, the average amount. So obviously, okay. The, so let's say fifteen thousand. That's an extra little over a thousand bucks. Yeah, that sounds like a tax, but since it's not an income tax, then it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. That that's you see, you can do whatever you want with words and feelings and emotions and everything. It, nothing really matters. It's all fugazi. It's and what's fake. interesting, rich people have companies and they just write their mileage off. Yeah, <laughs> it's the people who have an income. Who are going to be the ones that have to pay that eight cents a mile? You know, there's a lot of small businesses out there too, and not all the people who run businesses. I know that this is contrary to popular belief, but not all the people who have a business are rich. And if they're going to be raising the corporate taxes, that could affect a lot of people who actually don't bring home a lot of money from mm-hmm. their business. So that tax would also affect a lot of people. So they said uh, for several days now, the Biden administration has been pushing the absurd claim that it's $3.5 trillion spending bill actually costs $0. We talked about that the other day. They argue that tax increases will offset the spending. And of course, if you can find a way to pay for something, that means it didn't cost any money. Mm, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's how I always heard it. We went over this math on Monday. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, I can't think of a better way to do it. She, uh, she says, see, basic economics demonstrates that corporations often increase prices to cover high taxes or forced wage increases. In fact, contrary to the White House's claims, someone is always on the hook for increased corporate taxes. Quote, it is important to remember that corporate taxes must be paid by people. And corporate, any corporate tax increase will be paid by either shareholders or owners or employees in the form of lower wages or customers in the form of higher prices. Which is also why, by the way, we talked about this. Whenever the Trump tax cuts went through, uh, which lowered the corporate income tax, what did they do with all those tax savings? Well, they did uh, several different things. They uh, instituted some new benefits, a lot of them. Mainly instituted benefits. Why? For two reasons. One, benefits are a write-off for them. And two, they knew that there would be a changing of the guard and that these corporate taxes can fluctuate. And so they weren't just going to get rid of all that extra money that they had. They found new ways to implement them, to implement that so that they could write those off and they could keep people on their benefits and have, and have that write off rather than just shelling out the money. Yeah. But that's why they did that because they knew more than likely that if Trump won again, that he would probably, that he's only going to last eight years and that there would be a a changing of the guard. If you wanted to companies, these people aren't stupid. If you wanted to see a crazy amount of economic growth, you'd have to see a bill go through that that locked in the corporate tax rate for 20, 30 years. 
you would see an insane amount of growth, not just in the businesses, but in wages for people too. Because one thing that happens, they did do some wage increases for sure. But one thing that happens, like Charlie was saying, is uh, they do the benefits because you can take those away without people noticing quite as much. But you can't, you can't really reduce the wages for people. People don't stand for that as much. Once your wage goes up, if it goes down, that means that they don't like you and you want to go somewhere else. But if you give a benefit one year and then the next year you say, well, we can't do this benefit anymore. People don't treat that as money that they're making, which it is. They don't treat that as money that they're making and they don't think about it in the same way they would if a wage went down. But what she's saying where corporations, basically there's this idea that if they raise their if they raise their prices because the corporate taxes go up, that's just out of greed. Is all it is. If they're making eight percent right now and the taxes go up, well, they should just take less money, right? They just don't need to make more money anymore. They'll just take less money. Mm. That's not what's going to happen because when you're running a business, there's a risk to running that business, and you need to reap a certain reward off of that year over year to account for some of the years where it might not go very well or to, uh, I don't know, just to pay yourself because it's your freaking money in the first place. Okay. That, that's mm -hmm. another reason you don't have to justify it in any way other than mind your own business. Other that's than your, you own yourself. Yeah. Other than you own yourself. That's all you got to do. So there's no way to raise the corporate tax. You're not going to raise expenses on a business. Well, let's not even say taxes. You're not going to raise the yearly expenses for a business and then not expect them to raise their prices along with that. That's it's, it's just going to happen. It doesn't matter how absurd you think. This is why the, this always leads into price controls. These type of, these type of um, rules for businesses, it always leads into price controls for people. Because what they see is as they implement all these policies, prices keep going up and up. And so what they do to try and stop that from the, the consequences of the government's actions to try and stop that from continuing to happen, they decide that they're going to limit profits or they're going to freeze prices on things. And then you end up with a lot lower production and then you run in the shortages. And, and the, the good companies will leave and go elsewhere because it's a global economy now. It's much easier to do that. And all you're left with is shitty companies yeah, doing terrible work that don't care whatsoever because they, they don't have to. You get left essentially with what people would call monopolies because we've got Amazon and Walmart and these companies right now, but you're stopping new companies from coming in by doing this. And then we just get stuck with the same companies and we don't get to have the new innovative companies that provide even better products and services to people that we can't even imagine right now. We have no idea what they are because they haven't been invented yet. We have no idea what the, what the next idea is. Mm -hmm. And you end up not with that. You end up with the same companies and then the government calls them a monopoly because all the other companies, no, they don't have any competition. And in fact, you're talking about consequences of their actions. You know what I hear? That it sounds like governments just create problem. Mm -hmm. And then they, they're like, hey, we got a solution for that, which yeah. causes another problem. And they're like, hey, we got a solution for that, which causes another problem. It's absolutely insane. All right, let's cover one more here. Oh, I, w I wanted that one. Oh, did you? Undo. I was going to, I didn't know if we had time for it. So we I, have time I for just, one more. I just deleted an article while Charlie was about to read it. You just have to do so, undo. I'm, just uh, do the undo button. I couldn't find my Z. I didn't know where it was. Oh, okay. It moved. Yeah, it's right there. I've got a macro on that thing, so I couldn't <laughs> do it. Um, so uh, 
I did see this, so that's why I wanted to cover this. Okay, I I happened to see this on the news. This is a story that you've been prepped on beforehand. I actually I saw a couple things I wanted to mention. I saw scrolling across the bottom of the news feed. I'm just going to mention this briefly because I'm reading um, the Guantanamo Diaries about Mahamadou um, being held. He he was released, by the way. Really? Yeah. So they didn't update the the book, which typically they do on Audible. But anyway. Uh, he was actually released in 2016, so that's good. Uh, but they did say that, um, I read it scrolling across the bottom, that four out of the five Gitmo detainees that Obama exchanged for one of our sergeants that was captured are now all hold high positions in the Taliban. Nice. Um, and so I, I was thinking about that a couple of things because I was thinking about, man, people are probably looking at that, especially people on the right and going like, See, I told you these were bad people we were holding. Told you. Or the other way I thought about this was like, imagine it was you who was unfairly held against your will for 10, 15 years, tortured, and, and never charged with a crime, never got your day in court. Um, what would you do? Yeah. What would you do? Like if, I just said the other that day. that happened to you, this is what Ron Paul talked about with blowback. That family that got... The, the kids that got killed in that last amazing bomb that we dropped there in Afghanistan or going away present that we gave everyone um, like a grave tragedy or like whatever we they said called the it. other day, like when their families decide to get justice or to seek justice on the people who did that, we're, we're going to call them terrorists. That's, that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does this have to do with the next uh, article? Not, well, so I, I, I knew about this from the news. Oh, okay. Remember I was watching, you were the, watching news. the news. Yeah. Okay. It was on the news. You guys ever watched the news? So I had to throw in what I saw scrolling across the bottom because <laughs> that really got that me. You did say you saw it scrolling across the yeah, bottom. Yeah. That got my attention. Okay. Plus I'm reading the Guantanamo Diaries right now. It's very interesting. We have a speech on privacy coming up. And so uh, I'm reading a few things about that. And I also think Gitmo is important. Mm-hmm for that discussion. So I'm doing some research and stuff for our speech. And uh, I just thought that was interesting for everybody to know that you can take that a couple different ways. But also I wanted to cover this really quickly before we have to wrap up because I just love being right. (laughs) And I think Nate does too. That's what this story is about. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to preface this with remember when COVID started, we talked about how many different ways people can die. Mm. Okay. You got car wrecks, you got heart disease, your heart will just attack and kill you the bigger it is. You don't want a big heart. No. That thing will eat you. Just more death. Just more death. You know, you got cancer and tumors and uh, all kinds of things. Crime. One of them is crime. Yeah. And murder and suicides, those different types of things. And so this from the Washington Post. Thanks, Bezos. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. What's to blame for the murder spike? Certainly anti-police fervor didn't help. We talked about so this, this is, during all the protests and everything going on. Exactly. It's not going to help. It's exactly. And so recently released uh, FBI statistics uh, right here. Murders in the United States rose by 30% in 2020, the largest one year increase on record. Now, remember from like the 19, I don't know, 60s or 70s, murder and violent crime was on the mass, a massive decline. And it has been, okay? Even as people were buying more guns. Now, all of a sudden, we had a 30% increase. Uh, there are likely many factors that contributed to the spike, but there's one thing that clearly did not help. The blanket anti-police mantra adopted by many urban and national leaders after the killing of George Floyd. 
The surge in departures is particularly particularly acute in cities where police were not supported by mayors or city councils. Seattle, for example, saw resignations nearly quadruple and retirements double from 2019 to 2020. Jeez. I wonder why. Leaving the force short by more than 100 officers, the remaining personnel were stretched thin, causing response times to calls for help to soar. And also people didn't want them there. Okay. Police recruitment is also significantly down as the same factors that led cops to quit discourage those who might want to become cops from trying to join the force. This trend is especially pronounced in larger police departments that serve our nation's biggest cities, which are most likely to be under the political microscope. The rise in violence hurts poor people of color most of all. There were roughly 17,700 murders in the United States last year. More than 9,900 of the victims were black and 2,800 were Hispanic. Only about 7,000 or 40% were white, even though the 2020 census reports that white people, including those who are multiracial and partly white, comprise 71% of the total population. The Marshall Project also reports that cities saw the highest spikes in murders in black and Latino neighborhoods, so attacking the police in the name of racial justice, it seems, ends up harming the same people that police reform efforts intend to help. Who saw this coming? But... We we were just I racist mean, for pointing it out. That's what we were. But we but we made the we made the point right. I mean, we burned some buildings down. We uh, we even uh, killed a few cops, and we we made sure that we care about black and brown lives. And when you go outside your door as a black or brown person, your number one fear is getting killed by a cop. Mm-hmm. And so after. Uh, some people got killed last year that made it up on the news for that. Now we decided that we're just going to be totally anti-police. And did it help? Did How did it help as far as lives go? The data seems to suggest nah, fam. Because with a 30% increase, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a couple thousand extra people over 2000 to 3000 extra people that died last year from a murder than the previous years. And a large portion of them were not white, you know? So I just want to know there were more numbers in the increased murders, the murders that happened that don't normally happen than are the amount of all the black and brown people that are killed by police every year. More people died as a result of a murder last year than all the people that were killed by police Mm. in a normal year. Now, I'm not saying, because we did talk about this, I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be police reform. Well, no. Because I think, and we talked about mainly it's the laws, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's all the, the cumbersome laws that create all these interactions that shouldn't have been created to begin with. However, when you don't have certain security, then look at what happens. Right. And it's the people like Minneapolis and Seattle that were calling for all this anti-police that ended up needing them the most. And then they got mad when they didn't show up. This is where you have to be able to differentiate between two different things, just like with the very first story where you got to you have to be able to to know the difference between you can say that there needs to be police reform, that there are bad police out there, that we have laws out there that disproportionately affect uh, people who are, who are of a lower economic status. And you can work on doing all of those things. But that doesn't mean that you have to say that all cops are murderers 
uh, get in uh, get in a fight anytime someone pulls you over for speeding, doing anything like that. There's a way to draw a difference between that. And a really good way is to treat everyone as individuals. That's a that's a good way to do it. And when you encounter a police officer, don't just immediately call that person a murderer because they're a cop or a racist because they're a cop. Now, do we like and the, vice versa? Don't come upon a black person and just assume he's a drug dealing thug. Yeah. So it goes both ways. Treat everyone as individuals. Exactly. Just because someone else did something says nothing about another person that you're encountering. Mm-hmm. If we if we believe in individualism, then that then that's the case. Now you're going to use statistics to you know uh, think about the probabilities that something is going to happen. You know you're you're going to use that, but we can we can approach the whole policing problem uh, by decreasing the laws that there are not by deciding that someone who is a police officer is a racist murderer and you see what happens here this is a pretty large unintended consequence here i think you ended up uh, just running the numbers in my head with double the amount of more black people that were killed that were murdered last year than the amount that are normally killed by police and so in the fight against the police system to stop those from happening, which twice as many black people, died. twice as many black people died. And maybe you're thinking, well, you're fighting a war. Someone gets killed. You decide to fight a war. You can't say, well, two people died in the war. So that means you shouldn't fight the war anymore. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that maybe that's, maybe that's not a great argument, but are you actually going to end up with something that's better than the previous system? You can tear down the system. It doesn't mean that the new system that you have is going to be any better. It could end up being a lot worse. And the point is we should be about saving lives. What's mm-hmm. the best way to actually save lives? We talk about the same thing with COVID, with police, with all of these different th- types of things. Because what we actually believe in here is we're anti-death. Okay. We want, against death. we want people to live and live, uh, you know, healthy liberty lives. Yeah, I agree. All right, y'all. If you enjoy today's show, then please share it around. Share it to a friend and a foe and to a Joe. There's lots of Joes out there. We got Joes. Share it out uh, to everyone you know. Joes. And the children. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please. Even if you hate Apple. I don't care. Leave it there. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty.